Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer bet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Frankie Mackay is a wonderful colleague of ours at SCNZ with the Canterbury Sports Corner on Saturday mornings. Make sure you tune into that. She's, of course, a former White Fern too and an excellent cricket commentator. Morning, Frankie. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. Nice and early. We appreciate you getting up and no doubt you'd be well into, into your day, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, got lots to do before work, so yep, easy to easy to slot you guys in. Beautiful, we appreciate it. Look, let's talk some cricket. Look, where did Pakistan so comfort comfortably beat the Black Caps on Saturday night? It was uh, it was a tough old watch. Yeah, it was actually. It, it was a little bit surprising. Uh, perhaps the the first thing was just the conditions misread from the from the home side. You'd like to think that the Black Caps would have had that down pat. They've got a few locals in the side as well that you would have thought would have been well across the amount of dew that was going to be uh, on the surface, but uh, a little a little misread there which put them on the back foot. And and yeah, maybe slightly disappointing in, in the way they went about things. But I think that that Pakistan side's a really quality side. It shows that they've been playing a lot of cricket. They've come straight out of a series where they've been they've been performing really well. It looked like. They just they just slotted straight in and continued on with the good work. And we looked a little rusty. We had a couple of drop catches. We had a couple of missed run-outs. The batting didn't really fire as we would have liked. It, it wasn't a perfect performance by any stretch, but then managed to rectify a couple of those things against Bangladesh, and, and it kind of just looks like this team's just building and building towards that World Cup. So hopefully bigger and better things again in the next match-up against Pakistan. It's always difficult to prepare for a, a Christchurch conditions. You know, you never know what you get. One day you got snow, and then next day it's twenty-two degrees. So, can you tell us about the conditions that Hagley Oval uh, provides for for the cricket? What's it like to to play out there, and what really needs to go your way? How do you approach playing Hagley Oval? Yeah, it's one of the best grounds of the country, no doubt, and and a massive shout out to the ground staff, like you said. You've got snow a couple of days out from your first international match of the season, and and it's the earliest that we've we've had international cricket in New Zealand, and then to put it in the South Island as well, they've they've done a fantastic job. But generally, the wicket you get you get pace and bounce. Uh, I think it's ranked 
our third or fourth bounciest wicket in the world. So, so that shows where it's at. And and yeah, it's it's a good cricket wicket. It's not often a ground that spinners tend to dominate, but I think with just the amount of cricket that's going to get played on on just the two surfaces across the week, that that means the spinners will come into it. And we've seen that a little bit. There's also big boundaries there, one of the biggest grounds going around in the country. So that that also helps the spinners out a little bit as well, and and can perhaps offer the bowlers a little bit more assistance than they used to in the T20 format. But yeah, generally you get a good wicket. I think you you often will. I mean, especially in October, you were going to get due in those night games. So that was a real surprise for me. With uh, Gary Stead as a head coach, he's played a lot of cricket in Canterbury. We know how in, in October how dewy it is in the mornings when you're trying to get cricket started. Uh, I think most club cricket games so far this season have been delayed uh, just because of how dewy it has been in the morning. So you expect to get that at night as well. But it's it's just a great cricket ground. There is. Uh, there are a couple of moments where I think uh, Michael Bracewell, he almost had his head taken off losing one in the sun, and that's probably the only thing that, that is a little bit tricky at Hagley, actually, is it's quite a tough sighting ground. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's a couple of fielding spots I know when I get stationed in them. It's horrible. You feel the whole time like you can't quite pick it up off the bat. You feel like you're in, in big trouble. So it didn't surprise me at all to see that with the sun setting, uh, sun setting in his face as well. But, yeah, on the whole, it's... Oh, it's just a magnificent ground and, and they've done such a good job to, to be having cricket in October especially after some snow as well yeah <laughs> so you're so right hey what about Finn Allen and Frankie is he ready to take the leap to dominate the opening role or is there still a bit missing in his game oh there's definitely stuff missing in his game he's only a, he's only a youngster and, and I think every cricketer will probably tell you there's stuff missing in their game right until the, the time they retire so oh, I don't necessarily know the the exact way they're going to go with that opening role. I think when you look at the best teams in the world at the moment, you're probably looking at England and Australia in this format. You're probably saying that they just put all their hitters up top, kind of one through five, one through six. They're looking at big boys coming out, hitting the ball as far as they can, as often as they can, and, and they're probably leading the way in that regard. You see scores they regularly post up over 200, but then when you come to tournament cricket, that, that style doesn't always necessarily work. The the teams that play consistently, the teams that make less mistakes, they tend to be the ones that are there or thereabout come finals time. So that plays a little bit more into the Black Caps' hands and, and perhaps that's where you see maybe that Martin Guptill comes back into the side. You know what you're going to get with him. He's a pretty steady, consistent performer. But if they want to go down the route of an absolute match winner, then yeah, why, why not have Finn Allen in there? He is... He's excitement personified. He's exactly mm. what you want in T20 cricket. He's bold. He's brash. He's got a bit of swagger about him. He can he can do some special stuff out there. I think they have to stick with Conway as the other opener. I think he he's class. He's absolute class in the format. And then it just becomes where you want Kane Williamson to bat. Is there room to have Finn Allen and Martin Guptill in your top four? Perhaps. I, I think if, if Guptill's to play, he probably has to open... I'm not sure if Finn is someone you're going to use in your middle order either. So there's a little bit of a log jam there. But, I mean, if, if Kane's prepared to, to move down to four or, or maybe even lower in the order, then you could perhaps see a, a power pack top three of Conway, Guptill and, and Allen. But I think they might be reluctant to head down that route. So I like the fact that he's getting some game time. It means come T20 World Cup, he, he could be ready to go, he could be ready to be thrown straight in there, he's definitely got the skills for it and it'll just come down to whether they want a bit of bold, brash youngster with some swagger or whether they want to go with uh, the old head of Martin Guptill Just just quickly, do you feel like there's a genuine uh, lack of, of gusto and momentum 
around the whole Black Caps environment now. Like we've we've come off a series against England where we got pumped, and then we come over we, we're playing Pakistan in our backyard, and that was lacklustre. And, and we we have put a, put on a good performance against a a Bangladesh side that we traditionally should beat every single time. So you feel like we're just lacking a wee bit in there. Yep, I th- I, and I think the the side will think that as well. I think it it's crept in a little bit with the fielding. That's that's genuine, yeah, genuinely what's a going pretty on good. Yeah, that's that's your indicator. I think often of how good your team's trucking along when all the little things are done well, when the moments of brilliance happen. That just shows that intensity that I think is perhaps just lacking a bit. And and maybe it's guys. I mean, look, we are coming out of out of winter. There is a big world event coming up that everyone's got their eye on. Maybe it is that that some of them are just they've got the handbrake on a little bit, don't want to get injured, don't want to miss out, don't want to be making mistakes, so maybe a little bit tentative. But, yeah, it has probably been a concerning last 12 months, I'd say, after especially the highs of, of winning the World Test Championship and being in basically every uh, white ball final over the last couple of years as well. It was really a an absolute high for New Zealand cricket. It's certainly the best time uh, in my life that it's been to be a Black Cats fan. It felt like everything was, was going the right way. So it's been a little yeah. bit of a, a, come, a come down to earth, that's that's for sure. But uh, I think it's also, you look at that team and there's some genuine match winners in there. There's some exciting cricketers in there. And, and when you get to tournament format, it has been it has been an area that this Black Cats side has done well in. So you back them to be able to turn it around. But, yeah, there's a couple of little little warning signs in there. And, and for me, the fielding is, is the number one. And, and I think if, if I can see that rectified over the last couple of games in this tri-series and then in those warm-up games before they head into it, then then I think we'll get a pretty good look at where they're going to end up. And, and hopefully that's top four. And T20 cricket, once you get into that finals time, it's it's anyone's game. Because if one person has a blinder, then, then you can end up on the right side of it. And just quickly, the situation with Kane. Um, like, obviously, a quality player probably go down and be in the conversations of, of the greatest ever uh, with what he's done in the game. But just under a wee bit of pressure, a few decision-making uh, uh, decisions he's had to make out there on, on the field, on the pitch. For you, where do you see Kane at at the moment? I think, yeah, you're, you're skipper of an international side. They're always under a little bit of pressure, I think. Especially for Kane, he he's the captain in all three formats, so he's got a massive workload, and and he yeah. he would acknowledge he's been at less than his best, unfortunately, and he's had that nagging elbow injury. It's meant he's missed a lot of cricket. He's someone who just loves to train the absolute house down. I think in any coach when they've got Kane Williamson in their side, loves the fact that they've got him because he scores a bucket load of runs, but hates the fact they've yeah. got him because they've got to throw a million balls to him. So he, he's admitted <laughs> that he hasn't hasn't quite been able to do the amount of training that he would have liked, and, and maybe that just plays on his mind a little bit. But, look, he's, he's class. He, as you said, he's, he's one of the best cricketers we've ever produced in New Zealand. He's discussed in that, you know, fab four of, of the best batters going around at the moment. It's not just him who's, who's under the pump with form. I mean, Aaron Finch has really been feeling it in, in Australia. Virat Kohli went over a 1,000 days without scoring an international 100. So there's, there's skippers all around the place that are, that are feeling the pressure a little bit. Kane's no different. He's he's a pretty cool, calm, level-headed guy. So look, I've I've got full faith. I'm starting to sound like Gary said, full faith that a score's just around the around the corner. But that's that's the way when you got world-class players like that. 
it is. It'll it'll be one shot that he plays or a couple of shots that he plays comes out the middle of the bat and he'll just look like a completely different player. And, you know, hopefully in a yeah. few weeks' time we'll be laughing and chatting about, you know, oh, it was only a few weeks ago Kane was so out of form and, and now he's he's played brilliantly well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful it's just around the corner and, and I think we, when you're that good, you know, big scores do tend to be just around the corner. Yeah, that's yeah. nice to hear. And, and how much does a World Cup ambition... Do you think, Frankie, rest on Lockie Ferguson's health and fitness? Yeah, he's a big one. I mean, it's talked about a lot, isn't it, when you go over to Australia, having some genuine quicks. I think that's been the blueprint for Australia for a long time, the, the extra bounce that you're afforded there as well. To just be able to run in and, and bowl rapid, I think, is exciting. So, yeah, he's he's a big part of that lineup. It's concerning his, his injuries. Uh, and I guess Adam Milne as well. It was it was great to see him back on the park the other day, but worrying that he got through two overs and, and had to go off for a wee niggle. So, yeah, I think Lockie just brings a little a little something extra to that attack when you've got Bolt and Southey who are going to swing the ball. You've got Bolt obviously being left armour as well. When you can add a genuine quick into the mix, you know, there's there's no player around the world that wants to go out there and face someone bowling 150k. So to, he he just adds something extra. He he's got the ability to turn a game on its head as well. So yeah, you want to see him out there. You want to see our spinners, uh, you know, getting through their overs, bowling well, and then you end up with this really well-rounded attack that you know has been really has been one of the big reasons why we've been so successful in white ball cricket is our ability to dominate with the ball and then just get the job done with the bat. So yeah, he's he's a massive part of it. Beautiful. Before we let you go, Frankie, be remiss of us to not talk about your former team, the White Ferns Tour of Caribbean. Did you see some really positive signs from, from the ladies over in the Caribbean? Yeah, massively. Yeah, huge. I mm. think uh, it's it can be a pretty tough place to tour. Like You see some, some nice photos and stuff on social media, but it's it's completely different conditions to, to what we're used to playing here in New Zealand on the ball spin square and you play on some huge grounds and of course it's it's roasting hot over there as well so yeah some some really impressive signs the fact that we've taken a couple of teenagers over there and and some new players and some youngsters the fact that they've been able to to slot into international cricket and play a lot of it to to head over play the comm games have a little bit of time go on another tour uh they'll be they'll be home pretty soon and then it's they've got cricket coming up in december as well so i think the more you can expose those youngsters to playing Lots of international cricket, the better they're going to get. I loved seeing the, the way the spinners bowled, I think, to, to be able to adapt to those conditions. And, and bowl in favourable conditions, yes, but it's still very different to New Zealand. So it is a big learning curve to actually know how to bowl well in conditions that favour you so much. I think that was really exciting. And, I mean, they're only 11, 18 and 20. So the world's their oyster, really, with that. I think Neely Kerr, she was player of the, player of the series. She was fantastic and and with a pretty big workload on her shoulders as well, and we forget she's only 21, she's the leader of the spin attack, she's batting three, she does it all. And, I mean, you've got, you know, Sophie Devine, just amazing in those super overs. She's unbeaten in them. Oh, I think so there's been good. eight of them now. And Yeah, so so you look at it, and there's there's lots of good stuff going on. Jess Kerr coming back from injury and, and still swinging the ball up top, offering a point of difference. There's, there's lots of names that I can read out that were doing great things. I thought Maddie Green and, and Lauren Down were fantastic in that middle order, and, and that's an area the team really needs it to be successful. We know we've got runs up top in the, in the big three of Divine Bates and, and Kerr, but if we can get some, some runs out of that middle order, then it becomes a different team. So, yeah, I loved seeing it. I'm, I'm excited for some of those girls to get home. I want to have a look at that bronze mm. medal that they won at the Com Games. Um, but, yeah, Western <laughs> Indies to a massive tick to, to be able to win 
uh, both series to be able to win from some bizarre moments and tough moments and games they probably shouldn't win. Uh, I think, yeah, all pointing in the right direction. And, and hopefully for them come February T20 World Cup time, we'll see them there or thereabouts in that final again. Yeah, totally, totally. That's what I love too. You just touched on the backs against the wall mentality, go out, swing for the rafters and uh, get the job done. Sophie Devine, fantastic. And some of those ages, 18, 19, 21, we could only hope. Remember those days, Frankie? Oh, heck yeah. Like, it's it's scary how good some of those kids could be. They make me feel like an absolute dinosaur. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's exciting to see, that's for sure. Yeah, beautiful. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Frankie Mackay, talking all things cricket. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the week, and hopefully uh, we'll get back on soon. You're doing a great job for SNZ on Saturday. Thank you. Keep it up. Ah, thanks, mate. No worries. Have a good one. Cheers, Frankie Mackay. Oh, wow. She's very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Covered it all. Very and good. Uh, good to hear that she's positive, so positive about Kane Williamson. Look, um, Kempi, yeah. we'll come back to your off-the-back fence in just a second, but I think people on the Black Caps feel a bit of angst at the moment. 0800-150-811. Remember, we've got a Cooler of the Week competition running for an Ego line trimmer, and you want to come through and talk to Black Caps. It's a great opportunity because I think there is a real anxiety around this site. With Tony Kemp. A timely reminder yesterday for me when I read an article by James Graham, the POM, played for St. George, about his current struggles with head injuries. James has selflessly decided to donate his brain to science when he passes so that we may have a better understanding of the impact that collision and concussion is having on our brains as professional sportsmen. This comes on the back of class action cases in the UK currently pursued by ex-players who have been diagnosed with early onset of dementia due to concussion. So what's the answer? I think every player needs a baseline brain scan before they sign a professional contract to protect their interests moving forward. At this stage, unfortunately, CTE, the brain damage from concussions, can only be uh, diagnosed after death. However, technology moves on and there may be well tests developed that can monitor this damage in real time. There's no doubt this is real and we need to start protecting our current cohort of young players. If sports are serious about stopping concussion and future issues, then now is the time to be proactive. The current court cases on behalf of brain damaged sports people are reactive. Let's start taking care of our sports people now, not just down the track they present with all manner of uh, neurological issues. Time to invest at the front end and help players understand the impact the sport is having on their long-term health. It's a no-brainer, really, or do we end up with no brain? Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Yeah, it's it's a scary one, Kemp. I've read that too. Um, front frontal lobe skull injuries. He's got black marks on his brain. And I touched on it last week with yourself and just the current situation. It's it's. Yeah, it's a difficult one because we know what sport gives us this game. I guess the question is, is if you knew the long-term impacts that you could potentially receive from playing this sport, would you? Would you still endure it and be a part of it? Like, um, you know, like you can't predict things, and, and sport is our greatest gift, and it was, it was all part of sport, and I don't think we can change it. Like, there's been play, things being put in place with technique, um you know, uh, safety equipment and just rules around it. 
that uh, are all part of it. Um, sorry, I've got kids playing soccer in the back of my room, um, and I'm about to erupt. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's just a difficult situation because sport is sport, and mm. no matter what you do, there's going to be situations that you can't control, particularly with rugby. And, uh, yeah, so it's just trying to control that. So, uh, yeah, interesting one, Kempe. And, and James Graham, it's, it's, I commend him on donations because it's going to go forward and we're going to get some scientific evidence out of him and we're going to help it. But, mm. uh, yeah, how do we control it? How do we stop more going forward, Louis? It's, it's an interesting one. And on Thursday morning, boys, we're going to have Chris Nowinski, founding CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, um, on the show. Now, he does heaps of work through the NFL. He's a former American footballer, has played, uh, well, wrestled in the WWE. And I know he's actually got plenty mm. of questions for you, Kempe, and Izzy, both of you, about your own careers and your own brains and your own health. So I think that's going to be a really open and honest conversation. She won't want a long introduction with all her accolades listed, but I will say she is one of my favourite Kiwi athletes of all time and a good friend too. World number five currently after another very sharp third place finish a couple of weekends back in Texas on the LPGA Tour. It's a huge welcome to Lydia, the one and only co Hey Lids. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you, Izzy? (sighs) Good now. Good now, you're just going to give me some inspiration, mate. Look, honestly, quickly, just get it get off the bat. Uh, what do I need to do? Friday, heading into my first Charles Tour event. Um, everybody wish Izzy luck. <laughs> <laughs> it should be wish. fun, though. I'm, I'm excited for you. Oh, thank you, thank you. No, it's uh, it's a good event. Yeah, good friend Jan talked me into it, so I'm super excited. Can't wait. Look, look, let's get into it. What's going on at the moment? You've had a week off from playing, so how you been? How you how you doing? I've been good. I'm just at the post office trying to get something done, multitasking. <laughs> um, but no, it's been good to have some time off and uh, you know, have one more week, and then I'll be playing in Korea next week. So. Um, just trying to get everything together uh, and um, get get ready for Korea. Nice. Hey, Lydia, thanks for joining us this morning on SENZ. It's been really special watching your form and your return in spades this LPGA season. How proud of your play have you been? Um, it's been, uh, you know, really consistent on obviously coming into any uh, season. Um, I'm just trying to play, you know, the more consistently, you know, be more in contention. And, uh, you know, I feel like I've done that. And this might be the most consistently I've played. Um, even when I was number one, I think I've had more top tens now. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, I feel like I'm trending in the right direction, you know, trying to work on the, you know, good things and um, also work on the things that uh, need a little bit more work. And uh, and I go from there, but hoping to finish my season off on a high. Well, what have subtle changes been for you, Lids, to get this consistency back? Like, Can you just give us a little inkling of what the things you've been working on that you're doing so well that have given you this form? Um, I think my ball striking's been a lot better, uh, which is obviously, which obviously puts a little less stress on the short game. And, you know, um, trying to mix up my practices in the short game, not getting, like... Uh, not only just doing uh, short putts, um, just doing like longer ones as well. So 
Yeah, I think um, varying my practices and also just being wary of like what needs uh, more work. And I think that way, if you are a bit more aware, you're kind of putting, um, prioritizing, um, you know, in the quality practice. Yeah. Hey, Lex, what about your, your your lifestyle, your life balance? How how are you finding that working out with your your on course um, shooting your low rounds? Are you finding that you've got that balance right at the moment? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, just uh, making sure that I think now I'm a, I'm trying to be a little bit more organized. Um, you know, playing my day, planning my day ahead, like knowing how many holes I'm gonna play, and like you know, saying okay, I'm gonna play nine holes and. Um, do like an hour of putting, an hour of hitting balls, and maybe like 30 minutes of chipping, and then like adding lunchtime, and then that way I think I'm a little bit more efficient with time, and know that that's just my time period, and obviously sometimes it goes over, sometimes it's less, and then you know coming back to train, and then um, you know FaceTiming uh, my fiance, or or just watching Netflix, like all of those good things. How how do you how are you dealing with this 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 change in in your life, Litz? Like you you were so young and and you've been travelling around the world. Like the noticeable difference from the young Lydia that stormed the world to to where you're at now. Is it quite a a bit of a juggling act for yourself? Um, I feel like. Um, I feel a lot older than what my passport says. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just um, I think. Like right now, especially, you know, um, just with everything going on in my private life as well, it's just mm. like trying to get a good balance of things and um, trying to, you know, I think that's why I've been trying to do like more quality practice. And even though it may be like an hour or so less than before, like making sure to know like what other areas that I need to really work on and, you know, be really efficient with that. And, you know, talking to my coaches and um, all that to kind of have that all dialed in. Hey Lydia, you know it's been. I've been watching quite a bit of um, you on on the telly, watching you go around the rounds with with all the other girls, and they're they're all pretty um, good strikers of the ball. Where, where does Lydia Kosi herself um, pitched up against these girls currently, and yeah. can you see yourself going past those girls to another to a sort of another sphere, and where Lydia sees herself standing on the podium on a regular basis? Um, I feel like, you know, the level of play is just getting better and better every year. So it's just, it's like that much harder to win. And I think that's why the year that Nelly and Jin Young had last year was like absolutely incredible for them to, for two players to be dominating like that. Um, so yeah, it's just, I think that's why, um, you know, getting in from the top 20 to top 10 is different and from the top 10 to top three is different. And then like from, you know, top three to like winning is very different. And I think it's like at the end of the day, very marginal differences, but then after four days or a three day event, they all add up. So yeah, it's, um, I do still feel like there's a lot of my game that needs work and that needs to be a bit more consistent, but at the same time, trying to just enjoy the process and you know not beat myself up too much. What's what's life like on the tour, Lydia? What's what's life like? And and we've had a message come through. Someone wants to know who your best mate is on the tour. Who do you enjoy playing and, and hanging out with? Yeah, um, I think everybody kind of has their own groups, um, but I'm kind of <laughs> like I don't really have like one specific group. I. Um, 
pretty boring, I say. You know, I just stick to my own stuff. You're not boring. My mom, tra- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my mom travels with me, so like, I'll most of the time have dinner with her. But um, I do love playing with like Jessica Corda, and um, a couple weeks ago in Dallas, we went on a dinner date as well. So it's just it's just nice um, to have you know those few players that you know you're even more excited to play alongside. Um, and you know it's uh. I think it's like one of the perks, like if you're both playing well and, you know, you get to play with one of your favorite players, you're like, yes, it's like a double bonus. <laughs> is, is it still part of the plan? Like your original plan, you wanted to finish by 30, you wanted to go study over in Korea. Is that still part of the plan for you, Lydia? Yes, um, it is. Uh, mm. Sometimes, like, I do it and then I'm like maybe it should be earlier but you know every um, player that I've talked to like uh, that are now like in their mid um, 30s they said like yeah they too also had a goal of like 30 but then when they got that age they said hey there's like nothing no other job like that's like better than this for them or like this is what they like love to do so why not just keep doing it so I, I guess I'll never know until that moment really comes and quickly, just before we let you go, Lids, when are we going to see you back here down under? When are we going to see you back in NZ? That is a great question. <laughs> it's a great question, but hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I've been back since 2019, and I sound less Kiwi, so i got to go back to catch my New Zealand accent at least and uh, have some good food, have my favourite Fijoa juice, and... Uh, Catch up with you, Izzy. <laughs> oh, mate, we'd love to have you down under. I can't wait, and hopefully we can meet your fiancé as well. I'm sure he'd love New Zealand and what we have to offer. Lydia Ko, we appreciate you coming on. We know you're very busy. You've got a busy lifestyle and plenty of things to do, and now you're a fiancé, so priorities. Hey, priorities. <laughs> you know what it's like. <laughs> I have no kids involved, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, appreciate you coming on, Lydia. Uh, you're a fantastic ambassador for young golfers around the world, and uh, we are so proud of you. You know I'm proud of you down under, and we've had a connection since you turned pro. I actually watched that video the other day. How young do we look? And for myself, I looked a whole lot skinnier. So anyway, appreciate you coming on. <laughs> <laughs> Retired life dad bod, is it? <laughs> I'm sure you still look great. Oh, dad bod is real, Lydia. Thank you so much, my friend. Go well in the next couple of weeks, and hopefully we can get you home soon. Thank you. Talk soon. Thanks for having me this morning. Mudgee is message through. Do support the New Zealand ABs 15. Gives more players the opportunity to play in an environment that will possibly see them end up in World Cup squad next year. But the non-selection of Stevenson, that is Sean Stevenson playing for North Harbour, is an absolute joke. He oozes class. That is from Mudgee. And uh, if you've got any uh, questions or anything, queries you need answered, we'd love to hear you from you. We'd love to hear from you and your opinion regarding the All Blacks 15. Some big omissions, uh, particularly Tom Christie, Storm uh, Sean Stevenson. You've got Peter Gasso Kula, who played for the All Blacks in the June series, and then he's just disappeared off the place of planet, off planet Earth. Where is he? Why isn't he even part of their process going forward. Yes, I understand um, you, you have to warrant selection, but it's an interesting one. Um, so, yeah, uh, just let us know. Graham's come through, and we've got Zade on the line, and Zade wants to talk All Blacks 15.
a couple of players as well. So, Zaid, good morning to you. Good morning. Um, one of the interesting selections for me is Bryce Heem at the age of 33. Like, um, like I, I think I thought we were meant to be going forward with the team, but like picking younger players. But yeah, Bryce Heem's a bit interesting, but I guess he has came back to New Zealand and his form for the Blues in the last two years has been pretty good. So I guess maybe that's got him selected into the team. I don't know if Leon McDonald's got anything to do with it being the coach. I don't know. <laughs> don't know if that's got anything to do. Um, great to see Patrick Suipolosu as the captain because um, uh, there's a few too many locks right now for him to be the All Blacks. But I think if he has a good year in Super Rugby next year, I think he can make the World Cup squad if, yep. if he can play well. But um, he's probably shooting up, shooting out with Tupo Vai. I think that's is that the jersey you think that he's going for is him, between him and Tupo Vai. Um, and one other thing on the Black Caps, interesting about Martin Guptill and Finellan are kind of um, uh, shooting up between each other who's going to be playing in that T20 World Cup team. Um, I think you still need to have Martin Guptill on the team. I actually wouldn't mind Finellan and Guptill opening and then maybe slide Conway down a three or maybe Conway down a four or five or something, you know, behind Williamson yep. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few few options there, mate. I appreciate you coming through uh, regarding the All Blacks 15 and the Black Caps, mate. Zaid, appreciate your call. Yes, interesting one. Bryce Heem, obviously 33 years of age. I think the interesting question, lads, Kempi, is how much influence did Leon McDonald have on this selection, on this team? Whether he had front row seat to picking the team that he wants, the team that he's recognised, or whether Ian Foster has come over the top and said, I want this, I want this, I want this. What are your thoughts? Do you think if this is an Ian Foster selection or has, has Leon McDonald had full reins on, on what he's seen in the future? Knowing that Leon McDonald is a quality coach himself, predicting him for the future. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think Leon had any say in it, to be brutally honest. I think the, the selectors of the All Black team have selected a second 15 basically to carry those numbers through to the World Cup and they want players that they know if they're, they're called on between now and, and and next year's World Cup that they've had a look at them. So uh, I think selections would be, be basically um, all down to the current All Black selectors. I, th- I just think that there's a couple of players, the likes of um, George Bridge, Bridge and even Zahn Sullivan, I think that he did enough in the Māori All Blacks game at the beginning of the year to maybe warrant... Um, a trip up north, up to the up to Europe at the end of this uh, this season. So there are a couple of players that aren't, aren't in there that you you would have thought might have had a crack. But at the end of the day, the All Blacks are looking for depth. Um, and when you think about it, the 30, 30 odd that they're taking up with the All Blacks, and then another twenty odd, you know, fifty players mm-hmm. carrying through the World Cup, you have to think they come out of those names that are on those two sheets. Yeah, nice, Kempe. And I tend to agree around how much uh, jurisdiction Leon had because you look at the squad and um, you look at the deficiencies in the All Blacks, and I think you've got to take a lens to this with the World Cup in, in mind. Do you think mm. your World, Rugby World Cup squad is picked from these two sides? Can you see it? 0800 150 811. Lads, how much line trimming you got to do around your place? Because we're trying to give away a line trimmer thanks to Ego yeah. Power Tools for Caller of the Week. So come through and barrack for your guy. Who are you disappointed to see isn't there? Very quickly before Graham and Christchurch, here's a couple I'm glad to see there. Mark Talea and Alex Nankerville. I think these guys have been knocking on the door for a really long time. So Izzy, I can't wait to see what they can do at the next level. And I know Graham and Christchurch, you're disappointed that Tom Christie wasn't there. 
Yeah, how are you guys? Good. Yeah, uh, no, no, yeah, I am very, very disappointed for him, actually. Yeah, no, I thought, um, obviously, there's eight Canterbury players in the pack, so um, selected, so that, numerically, that's very good. But, uh, yeah, I thought he was, like Sean Stevenson, um, you know, like you said about him, his form for North Harbour's been brilliant. Yeah, he would have been in my New Zealand A team. But I think Tom Christie, you know, he played very, very well for the Crusaders and, and has carried on that with Canterbury and... Um, yeah, I mean, I still think there's a chance that guys like that can get in the, um, you know, World Cup squads are pretty unpredictable, as you know, as yourself, and, um, yeah. you know, there's a bit of water to go to the bridge, <laughs> injuries, dare I say it, and um, form slips, and, um, you know, come into mind, so, you know, I think players can get in there, but, yeah, you know, it's contentious, it's, it's a good squad, mm-hmm. but, yeah, there's, a, you know, some three or four really unlucky players there. All the same. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you. Totally agree with you, Graham. Yeah, anything happened World Cup year, you're going to get a bolter, no doubt. Someone that's probably hasn't been shown around the world that can come on. You think of uh, Nihi Milnuskara. You think of Waisaki Noholo. Yeah, players that can have their influence impact come World Cup year. Um, but yeah, there's just still some glaring omissions. And Tom Christie, the, the obviously the obvious one. And then you've got Dupasi Karifi, whether he was in the in the thoughts uh, process of going forward. He's been around for a while whether he was ever part of it. And, um, yeah, there's a few messages coming through on the text machine, but we want callers. And Nick from Dunedin, here's another caller, and Nick's got his opinion on the team. Morning, Nick. How you going, Cuzzy? Yeah, hey, yeah good, I'm, my friend. You, you do perceive. I mean, it's crazy how he's, how he's not in the squad. I mean, it's crazy. Then what's mm. the thinking there? Yeah, look, it's, it's interesting, my mate. Like, uh, yeah, it's... There's, I think there's, there's plenty yeah, I, coming through on the text machine. You've got Salby Rickett, you've got Justin Sangster, who was phenomenal. Like, there's players everywhere, but you can't select them all. But, yeah, there's some. What, what are the obvious ones for you, Nick? I would have had Duke Lassie, 100%. Um, you know, what is that Otago guy that got in? I mean, Duke Lassie's a better, better player than him. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't see there being too many bowlers for the World Cup. I mean... As you know, you've already been there. I mean, I'd say they've roughly got this sort of <laughs> who they want to take, I would imagine. But, I mean, this, this Northern Year Tour will be interesting to us. But, you know, I, I give you boys a big plug. What you do in the morning, really cool, guys. Love listening to you. And uh, breath of fresh air. Really cool, eh? Really oh. good. Keep up the great work, boys. Well, Nick, mate, you're halfway there to that new council, I'll tell you what. You keep doing that. You keep paddling me on the back, mate. You give me that address, I'll just send it to you. Hey, I'm just going to say, Appreciate I'm going to say, what about, what about um, Sevilla? Julian? Yeah, look, Sevilla. that was an interesting one. Yeah, well, if you pick Bryce Heem, you pick Julian Sevilla, wouldn't you? You know, similar rage. Julian's obviously known. Uh, a Bryce team unknown. Ugh, mate, the debate can go on forever, forever. And uh, I think the glaring omission is, is obviously Sean Stevenson. Let's be honest. There was obviously that rumour going around. He signed for the Dolphins, mate. That's why. Uh, nah, look, honestly, Kempe, I messaged him last night. I messaged him. Mm. And I said, what did I say? Shawnee, don't, don't rubbish me for doing this. But I said, you playing league or what? Surely you should have been named. He said, nah, man. <laughs> Nah, man, still signed here for next year. Might have to now. So, like, you know, like he's still a part of New Zealand's focus. 
and he's been snubbed. So he was very disappointed um, to not be selected. Look, it's it's just running, and obviously um, Leon McDonald was on the drive show yesterday, which had a message come through saying that Foster Smith and Ryan picked the team exclusively. Leon had no say at all. So there you go. This is this is their say, and this is the future that they are they are seeing, Louis. So well, with that in mind, um, with that in mind, Kempi, what about if we do this thought process backwards? Oh, eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Is that is it going to be Nick caller of the week just like that? A little bit of flattery. Come on, give us a call. But let, let's work backwards. If you think about the World Cup next year, Kempi, where are the deficiencies in the All Blacks squad currently? Ooh, yeah. Well, that's a. I think halfbacks a big one. I think a year, another year. Um, Aaron Smith that's why I keep talking about Brad Webber I think they need to carry another senior halfback not a junior that, and definitely in the in the um, the Lucys and the Locks I think too if we, we lose a Brodie Retallick or Sam Whitelock we're in trouble and um, Artie Sevier he goes we we basically can kiss it goodbye okay. so I think we cover the backs so all, all good okay oh, so I think six, Louis. Six? I think six. Yeah. Yeah, I think a, a six, uh, Rex. Uh, just no one's really... Jennifer Frizzell showed glimpses. Akira, he's had limited opportunities. But, um, you know, no one's really put a foothold on that six jersey. So I think there's a genuine opportunity there. Ethan Blackhead is going to return from injury. We're going to see him next year. Hopefully he can... And his body holds through. He'll be another great opportunity there. But um, option there. So... There are a few little spots. You think midfield, you know, up for debate. Who is our genuine midfield option with Geordie's class there? Or do they go back to to David Harvilli? I think our sewing up positions are, are front row and our, uh, our, our outside backs and our tens, obviously, the ones that are really stamping our locks. So there's just a couple for me that they've still got a little question mark. Well, and look, age I, is an issue. I think age is an issue. Well, at halfback, Kempe, it's a, I think it's a huge issue. I think that's really that was where I was looking. So you look at the squad they've picked, and with those deficiencies you guys have just pointed out, here are the next players up. Brad Webber, TJ Perinata. Then they've gone Cam Roygaard at 21. So there's a decade in between those guys. And I know some people thought that there were a couple of halfbacks throughout the competition that could have been picked instead of the older guard. So they're going the opposite from your logic there, Kempe. Let's take a risk. Um, in the midfield, well, are we seeing that Bryce Heem at 33, the reason he's in this squad is because he's a genuine, if things go tits up, you know, mm. Bryce Heem might be the next safe pair of hands along with your Alex Nankervilles and your Balin Sullivans. And then in the forwards in those, uh, that number six spot there, Marino Michiali Tu'u, you've got Christian Lilowilly, uh, you've got Luke Jacobson, who again, just in and out of that squad, Billy Harmon, nice to see him get a crack. And Dominant Gardner, is there a chance that this guy's a bit of an X Factor? I'll let you mull on that, Izzy, and we'll go to Joey in Auckland. What do you make of it all, mate? Oh, Sean Stevenson, I can't believe that. You're, so they're saying that Sean Stevenson's not one of the best three or four fullbacks uh, in New Zealand at the moment. I mean, Izzy, you've played fullback. Um, it's just a tragedy that, that he hasn't been picked. Um, and mm. also, too, with Leo. Um, why coach the side? I can't work this out, guys. Why coach the side when you haven't got any say in it? I mean, it's just, mm. you know, to me, you've, you've got to have a say in the players that you're picking to go up because at the end of the day when you're coaching, it's got your head's on the block. And you know this, Kevin, you've mm. coached sides. You know, um, I can't believe that they didn't pick Sean Stevenson. I agree with, with uh, you, Kevin. I think he, he's go, going to lead. 
And if he hasn't gone to the league, if I was him, I'd go to the league. Honestly, I would go to the league. I, he should be so disappointed and it's unbelievable. I'd go to the Dolphins. I'd say, see you later, rugby. Unfortunately, and you know what? Rugby will be will be the worst off for it. He should, he should mm. be one of the. He would be one of the first guys I would have picked on that eighteen. No two ways about it. Yeah, yeah. He's had a good. He's had a very, very good season. Um, look, Joey, I don't mind if he goes to the league because he'd make a good league player. <laughs> he, he's a good big body. He's got a good kick. He's can, he can run like the wind. He's 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 made for rugby league, but see what what I don't like is when selectors don't pick form players, when they're standing out and they're slapping you in the face, and then they name a team and and what and Joe, Joe's point there, he's number five, number six on, on the on the ladder, doesn't make sense. So what else is going on under underneath there? That's that's what you've got to ask. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.